Welcome to the Crown Council. Mentor of the Month is Steve Anderson, and I am very excited to introduce Julie Charlstein, who is the CEO of Premier Dental, which is a name that everybody knows. She's been recognized by Dental Products Report as one of the top 25 most influential women in dentistry. We're honored to have you. And she has a list of other recognitions, including the Silver Stevie Award as Female Executive of the Year, the Gold Award by Best in Biz Awards as Executive of the Year, and uh, one of the International Forum on Advancements in Healthcare's Top 100 Healthcare Leaders. She is also the author of the recently released book, How to Lead Your Family Business, Excelling Through Unexpected Crisis, Choices, and Challenges. And uh, one of the other, I think, pieces of this that's important to know, because we'll talk about it, Julie is a fourth-generation CEO. Premier Dental was founded by her great-great-grandfather, and, uh, and Premier is a, a 100-year-old-plus brand. And we're going to talk about that, about brands that endure. So, Julie, thank you for hopping off your Peloton that is right behind you <laughs> and taking a few minutes to, uh, to give us some leadership insights for all of our Crown Council leaders. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. I've, I've heard a lot about Crown Council and your energy is great. So thank you. And and Premier was actually inspired by my, uh, was started by my great grandfather, Julius. Great grandfather. Okay. All right. So, but you are fourth gen. But right. I am fourth generation. So great grandfather, grandfather, father, me. Four. Okay. Now <laughs> it's <but> a lot. <laughs> so let's, let's do the backstory first. My understanding is you had no intention of joining the family business. Originally you were off on a completely different track. Give us the kind of little background and how you landed where you are today. Yes, that's, that's true. We always knew that, you know, Premier was part of the family and it was certainly something that we were very proud of and all knew about and recognized that it did amazing work bringing better oral health to people and partnering with dentists. But it was never something that we were forced to do or even encouraged to do. We were always encouraged to um, pursue what we thought was going to be of interest to us. So I was in a very, a totally different direction. My undergraduate was in the very useful subjects of um, political science and Judaic language and literature. So I worked in, um, <laughs> I worked in those areas and then I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I came and really just worked part-time at Premier. We have a medical division and I worked in the medical division and I liked it. And I said, okay, well, maybe I could see doing this. I hadn't envisioned business or premier at all. Um, and I said, well, maybe I should go to business school to see if this is kind of like really something. So I went to business school and then I said, okay, well, let me see if anyone other than my father wants to hire me. So I worked out, thankfully the answer was yes. <laughs> so I worked outside. Um, well, I worked outside again. So after I graduated undergrad, I worked outside, then I came in, then I went to business school, then I worked outside. Um, and then my father started calling me, what do you wanna do? What are you interested in? Um, and that's when I started researching family businesses. I started researching our business. I started researching um, our industry. I hired a family business consultant and then I decided to come into Premier and I came in as a product manager. Um, and that was probably like 20, 21 years ago or so. 
Um, and then I started as a product manager, became responsible for the product management team. Then I did business development. Um, then I became president and then I became CEO. So I've, I've been able to experience the whole organization uh, through, through many different lenses and at different points. You talk about, I've, I've done some research on you. I'm going to take you back to a moment because I think there's a huge, huge leadership lesson here. Your first day on the job as CEO, and there's either CEO okay. or president. And, and tell us about that story. Cause you talk about the first thing you did was go in your office and shut the door and sit down and tell us that story. Cause I think it just speaks volumes to the importance of leadership and understanding the role. Do you remember that story? Yes. <laughs> so your research so far is accurate. Um, so I had been, as I said before, I had been working at Premier at that point, 15 or so years. So I was very familiar with the organization, um, aside from having it been a lifelong um, partnership. Uh, at this point, I was intimately and intricately involved in, in the day-to-day -day and the workings, and I had been president. Um, so my initial thought was during the CEO transition, it would be no different because I was really pretty much doing the same job. Um, so I, you know, I came to work that day, I think it was April 1st, you know, maybe 2016. Um, not thinking that it would be that different, but when I walked into my office that day, it just, the, the weight of it really hit me and the realization that this is not the same. This is actually very different because now everything is my responsibility. Um, there was a little bit of a crutch before when I wasn't the CEO, when I was the president, um, when I thought everything was my responsibility, um, which was the wrong uh, attitude to have and the way to think. Um, but I just remember kind of sitting in my office and like you said, closing the door and needing to kind of allow myself to be present in the understanding of the weight and the heft and the, the, the legacy and the future and all of the people and, and all of it. Um, and it's, it's an amazing and astounding privilege to be able to have. I just needed to have that moment of realizing that this is very serious business. <laughs> you are it. You're the one <laughs> right. in the right. Okay, I'm going to take two different uh, two different ends of the leadership spectrum. You have you lead a brand that is over a hundred years old, which yes. speaks volumes. I mean, for a brand to endure the ups and downs, and I mean, so we go back and look at so World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, the Depression. I mean, so this is a brand that has endured through all kinds of economic and I'm sure internal crises, the whole deal. So if you were to point back just in the company history, as well as the things that you've led through the pandemic, you went through all of that. That was one of your things. If you started as CEO in 2016, you led through all that. If you could point back to some characteristics or values or the just really the anchor points that you would say, man, these are the things that have really aided in our being able to not only just endure, but thrive and be a 100-year-old plus brand. What, what makes Premier enduring? 
Well, I think there are two adages that are always in my mind when when thinking about Premier and and the the legacy and the future and allowing what what has allowed exactly what you're talking about the the the, the constants and not just the continuity but the ability to do so um, with tremendous success. Um, so the the first is actually a Gatorade commercial, um, and that Gatorade commercial. <laughs> It's probably about, I don't know, maybe 15 years old now. Um, but it, it, it starts off in black and white with people playing basketball, um, putting balls into like uh, apple barrels um, or peach containers or something like that, wooden. Um, and, and the line is, to start a revolution, the only solution evolve. So in order for Premier and any business to sustain and to grow and to perform through multi-generations is evolution. You have to have the willingness and the flexibility and the hindsight coupled with the vision mm -hmm. to allow for evolution. Um, what do they say? The, 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 uh, the only constant is change. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's an inevitable. I remember having a conversation with my girlfriend about nothing related to business at all. I think she was like getting a new boyfriend or moving an apartment or something. And she's like, well, all the change. And I said, you know, change is your friend. That's how you have to think about it. It's always going to be there. So get along with it. <laughs> and, you know, that's what I've, I've tried to do and what I've witnessed through Premier through many different um, iterations and also just stories that that have been relayed to me. Um, the other is what we call a Mortonism. My grandfather, G2 of Premier, was named Morton. So he has all of these wonderful, wonderful sayings. So we called them Mortonisms. Um, and if, if you've read the book, which I think you have, you'll see them there. Yeah. And that is and that is remember who you are. Um, and that is that is paramount and central to everything that we do is you have to remember who you are, what values you have, what is important to you, what service you are bringing. And that is foundational and fundamental. So those two things paired together, um, along with a lot of wisdom, incredibly smart people, dedicated and motivated team members, that is what has allowed us to, to continue. All right. So as a leader, how do you balance those Mortonisms, those things that you believe in with innovation and evolving when you have to challenge your team <clears throat> to evolve and change. And I know you've got a lot of employees, team members that have been there for a long time. Your job, you've, you've got to lead the innovation and the evolution. How do you as a leader balance lessons from the past and things we believe in with the need to change and evolve and innovate? You got to, you got to balance that out. How do you do that? To me, it's the same, uh, because the only way that you're going to move forward is to do that. And we're able to look back and recognize and realize that's the only way that we got here. So it's not a matter of balance. It's a matter of almost utilitarianism. This is what it is. This is what we've got to do. And it's, it's everyone understands that. And there's also Premier has a great culture of collaboration and actually fun. Um, and that gets everyone involved and wanting to do things. We at Premier are inspired solutions for daily dentistry, which means 
that we develop, we create all of the things that, that the Crown Council has on their trays and their staff day in and day out. And that is important. We are helping the dentists and we are bringing better oral health to people, making them look better, making them feel better, bringing them better confidence. And that is an amazing privilege to be able to do that. And that recognition that everyone at Premier gets to be a part of that and drive that forward, there doesn't need to be a balance. That is what it is. And that is what, what, is it, what it is about. And it's very energizing. Excellent. All right. I'm going to take you back a couple of decades when you first, okay. started, when you first <laughs> started working at Premier. Uh, I'm sure that there were a lot of of long-term team members that have been there for a long time. And as you kind of worked your way up through the ranks, talk to us about how you managed your leadership roles as those continued on with people that had more experience than you, that had been with the company longer than you. And specifically, you're going to speak right now to the young dentists. We got a lot of them who are, you know, they're working with teams of much more experienced hygienists, dental assistants that have been in the business for decades. They're younger. How do you lead amidst those that have more years and more experience than you do? Everyone had more experience than me. <laughs> because it was only whoever I hired, what got hired after me had less. So when I walked in the door, every single person there had more experience than me. Um, and I was very appreciative of that. In fact, when, when I became at a, at a period in my, in my leadership role being CEO, there was a time, and it actually still is, where I was the most experienced person. And I do not like that. I want to be able to have people that know more than me in most areas. So from that standpoint, it was really a gift. Look at all of these people that I get to learn from. Um, and that's how I thought about it and continue to think about it. Everyone can learn something from everyone. Um, and so, you know, I, I, that was always my attitude. I did a lot of listening. You know, I was respectful. I tried to have a level of humility, but also coupled with a level of confidence. There was a reason that I was there. So I needed to assert myself when appropriate in the correct way. It wasn't something that I was going to come in, guns blazing. No one knows what they're talking about. We have to change this, this, and this. Because when I got there, we had already been in business for 90 years. Clearly, people knew what they were doing. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to learn from that and to understand it because that knowledge is what was going to help me create something different or not necessarily different capitalize and build on the amazing thing that we had so again respect which was a big thing that my grandmother always said um humility but coupled with confidence there needs to be a sense of i know that i have a role here and a purpose here so this is not something okay i need to roll over um but it's that that is where the balance comes Love it. All right. You are one of the top 25 most influential women in dentistry. Okay. So the trend, right? We know now that 50 to 60% of the dentists coming into dentistry are, are women. It is very much a now 
not only from a team standpoint, from a provider standpoint, very much a women dominated industry, which is great. I mean, it's just a huge, huge shift from 20, 30 years ago. And there's a different dynamic, if we can just spend a moment on this, a different dynamic of women leading women. And especially in dental practices, as we work with different practices, it's it's a little different dynamic. I know you've got a very diverse team that you work with. As a, as a female leader, any insights there that you have in terms of the approach you take, the leadership role? I mean, you're the leader, that goes without saying. And what does it take to, to do that, to be a, a, a female leader, especially among other women? Any tips that you would give a, a, a female dentist in terms of taking on that role? If you are a dentist, if you are a leader, you are those, in my opinion, you are those things before your gender defines you. Right. So I do not look at my role as I am a female CEO, I am a Jewish CEO, I am a parent CEO, I am a CEO. I am all of those things, but in my role at work, I am a CEO and I am who I am. So just like I expect everyone on my leadership team to be, and honestly, everyone at Premier. So all I can expect from myself and from my team is for them to be who they are and work authentically. And I try to lead authentically. Each of us, by virtue of the fact that we are different people, bring different perspectives. And those things, again, should be listened to and respected. So for me, I'm sure it's not the PC answer, but for me, my 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 being a woman is is not fundamental to how I operate. Does it give me different perspectives than my man colleagues? Probably. Um, is it something that I focus on? No. Does it make me a better leader? No. Does it make me a different leader? Yes. And that that's how that's how I think of it. It's just really an individualistic thing. Got Who it. are you? Excellent. Uh, you talk in terms of your leadership role, <clears throat> the internet is littered with Julie Charlstein comments about leading with vulnerability. So talk to me a little bit about that as, as far as a, a leadership approach and what you may, I mean, we've had Brene Brown on our crown council stage in the past. Everybody's very familiar with all of her work on, on vulnerability, but for you in a leadership role, what does that really mean? And how does that show up for you? It goes back to what I just said, and I, you know, I hate to keep using the same word because it is very much a buzzword, um, yeah. and that is authenticity. If you are not someone, if you are someone who is more stoic and vulnerability is more challenging for you, that is how you are going to show up. Um, I, for a very long time, was much less emotional, much less vulnerable. I have um, learned over time how to, that, that that wasn't necessarily who I was. Um, I have learned over time, again, I personally have evolved to recognize and to realize that a level of vulnerability is very important in my life and in my leadership roles. Um, and it shows up organically and, and unexpectedly. There was really just a situation recently not relating to business at all. It just happened to, hap happened to happen during a leadership meeting my father had come in and um, just kind of like pulled me over to the side and told me that unfortunately a very good friend of his um, had died. So 
yeah, I started crying, <laughs> you know, and he is, and it's the middle of the meeting. Um, and so I took a second and then I, I just, you know, explained to everyone, you know, everyone just saw and so that whatever hap is happening, Julie, we're very sorry. And I just explained to everyone and told them like a really nice story about my father's friends that I had remembered. And it was just, you know, a three minute, um, a, a, a three minute opportunity for us to see each other on a different level. And, you know, that was it. That's, it's just life. Life um, is not separate from business. <laughs> Good point. We focus in the Crown Council a lot on culture, especially in the dental practice. Maybe you could just share with us a little bit of uh, some little insights behind the closed doors, the premier culture, what it's like, and what do you as the leader do to build that culture? Being in a legacy business, it's 110 years old. I was saying authenticity is a buzzword. Culture is certainly a buzzword. And having the opportunity to have been in a business for, for generations, culture was obviously a thing before culture was a thing. There was an innate understanding by the leaders that came before us that you have to have an organization where people are involved, where people enjoy what they are doing, where people are doing meaningful work, where people are treated with respect. Um, so that fundamentally is the culture and has really just been something that has been inculcated in all of us over these generations. And we hire to that, um, you know, uh, personality um, is, is often the pinnacle in, in what we are looking for. Obviously everyone has to have the appropriate skill set but we hire for that premier it factor. Um, and when you meet any member, any member of our team, it will be very apparent who they are um, and that they are part of, part of premier. And it's all of the things that I've talked about coupled with that notion that we talked about before. We're inspired solutions for daily dentistry. What a privilege to be able to be a part of that. And then you couple that with collaboration and fun and it's really an incredible formula. And we do little silly things to make it fun, you know, like cornhole in the parking lot, pizza trucks, um, Zoom scavenger hunts. Uh, I, start, I start all of my leadership meetings with a question of the day um, to kind of just get everyone's mind clear and get us to know each other on, on different levels. Um, so that's, that is who we are and and how we show up. Give me an example of a question of the day. So one question of the day was something like, uh, one was, okay, what is something that you were used to be really into, used to be really into, but aren't into anymore? That's or right. some was, one was, tell us what, you know, your best, your worst childhood memory was in terms of doing something with, to to a sibling. Or, you know, what, what is your nickname and why? I mean, I learned that there was a guy who ran RIT whose nickname was Spider with a Y because he was a break dancer. And one of our product managers who, whose nickname was Trixie with two X's because she was an online poker player. So, you know, you learn a lot <laughs> and it just, you know, builds a, a relationship that, that is different and special and again, fun. And you better be careful what questions you ask because you may find out something. You'll get the answer. <laughs> exactly. You will get the answer. 
All right. So the focus of your book, How to Lead Your Family Business, subtitle Excelling Through Unexpected Crisis, Choices, and Challenges. Big, big focus on, you know, the crisis. Give us, can you share with us in your own experience and your company experience, crises that you guys have dealt with? You know, we've all done the pandemic thing, but just, and and give us some tips in terms of how, what's your leadership strategy when the heat is on and you got to lead your team through rough waters? I've learned now from the pandemic that there's crisis and there's crisis. <laughs> um, so compared to that, everything is really cake. Um, but but what is constant in terms of my leadership, what, what I've recognized has been constant and consistent, whether it's an enormous crisis like like the pandemic or a much smaller crisis like you know, a product isn't launching on time, um, is that planning, analysis, and, and involvement are essential. So if you have an understanding, that's where the analysis comes in. If you have a plan to execute, and if you have constant communication by the um, relevant and important stakeholders, everything can be, can be worked through. And there's, there, there are very few things that cannot be remedied or circumvented with a different plan. And that that is, I, I, I'm not always able to think like that, but I try to remind myself everything, almost everything can be fixed. There are very few things that are catastrophic. We're not talking about death. Pandemic aside, if you had to point back to I'm going to let you brag a little bit here on yourself for a minute. But if you had to point back <laughs> to the crisis that you had to deal with, that on the other end of that, you say, you know what, we did we did pretty good. We navigated that one pretty well. Is there one that just rises at the top for you as being a moment that was a shining moment on, on the other end? Well, I think there were there was definitely one where I was not involved. This was before my time but it served to inform my thinking and my leadership, which was um, <clears throat> maybe 30 years ago now, um, Premier was in a joint venture with a company called SB. SB was essentially, so we were in a joint venture. It was very successful. They were a family business. They wanted to um, divest from their family. Um, so we were going to separate and there was, it, it was SB at that, it was a joint venture. SB was an enormous part of Premier's business. It was almost half of our business. Wow. And the question was, okay, if we're separating from them, is there a business to be had here? We're going to be half of our size. We're losing our new products, our R&D. How are we going to be able to overcome that and build ourselves back? So that is one that I think about and look at as I face challenges in terms of what my father and grandfather did. Um, in terms of my leadership, obviously the biggest um, uh, crisis was the, was the pandemic. Aside from that, I wouldn't say there were any major crises. There were inflection points, inflection points in which I made decisions that would lead the organization to change, that put us on a different trajectory. Um, and two of those are, are around um, product development and innovation, um, areas where 
as a result of the split from SB, we really had not been doing development. When I came into the business after a period, I said, okay, we're strong enough now. We should be doing this ourselves. And that was <clears throat> a big turning point. Really then developing products de novo, completely new, just off of a patent. Um, and that first product ended up becoming Enamel Pro Profi Paste, which is a, a huge success, was then and, and still is now. Um, so that was a big inflection point. Other inflection points really around um, other, other technologies bring, being, being brought to market and organizational structure. So opportunities and inflection points. Thankfully, there have not been major crises aside from um, COVID. Again, because it's all, maybe if you asked me before COVID, I would have had a different <laughs> answer. But now that, that's, now that that's kind of the benchmark, you know, everything's cake compared to that. <laughs> As you uh, as you lead, a, you know, a hundred and ten year old business that's been owned by the same family for that entire time. What are the specific things that you do to keep the legacy alive? To keep what you stand for, what the brand stands for, what the family stands for. How do you keep that alive and present in your culture? through actions, through the way that we behave toward one another, through the relationships that we have with our distribution partners, through the relationships that we have with our, the dentist, through the relationships that we have with our vendors, how we conduct ourselves. Um, and then also, of course, whenever possible, um, talking about my grandfather, Morton, talking about my great-grandfather, Julius, and all of the different elements and steps that allowed us to get to where we are, and the importance of everyone on the premier team in contributing to that and in moving us forward. Very cool. All right. You have an audience with some of the <laughs> influential dentists in America. And as the leader of, of one of the top product companies in dentistry, what is the one thing that you <sighs> want dentists to know and understand about dentistry in general, and maybe about the company as well, but if you had a message to the top dentists in the country, what, what would it be? That the work that they do is important, that they are important, that they are valued, but undervalued by most. Um, but what they are doing is, is, is tremendous and foundational and fundamental to people's lives and the health of people in this country. Um, and, it, and it should not at all be, be diminished. Um, our, our, our head of, of uh, clinical uh, studies, Dr. D Dr. Jason Goodchild has a t-shirt and it says dentists are people too. Um, and it's, it's, it's so much more than that. You know, that is my message for dentistry. It is invaluable and it like everything else is evolving and the opportunities are just endless in terms of what is available to the dentist, what can be delivered to the patient. And we are so appreciative to have this partnership with you. My, my other grandfather, my maternal grandfather, not the one in the business, my mother's father happened to be a dentist. He was an oral maxillofacial surgeon and a, and a professor at NYU. His name was Dr. Seymour Burnback. And when I was little, I used to love going to his office. So I got a t-shirt that said, I heart my dentist. He's my grandpa. 
Uh, and I could never, I never understood, and I still don't, why people say, I hate going to the dentist. Because when you think about it, you are going to a place where people care about you, where people want you to be well, where people want you to succeed, where people want you to live their best life, your best life, and where they are going to help you to do that. So that is my, my, which is that people can look at it through that lens, that this is really a tremendous group and opportunity for you to take advantage of, you being the person, the patient, the overall population. Right on. Julie, thank you. So just as a quick review, uh, <laughs> Julie Charlstein, CEO of Premier Dental and the author of the recently released How to Lead Your Family Business, and I would just, Julie, I'm just going to insert this. The book has everything to do with leadership. You don't, I mean, I, I believe every dental practice is a family business because we're about taking care of families, but it is a great, great leadership uh, book. Subtitle, Excelling Through Unexpected Crisis Choices and Challenges. And it's everywhere. So <laughs> it's on Amazon. It's everywhere. You've had a great publicity team. I've got several copies myself. And uh, thank you for, for distilling your wisdom in a form that uh, everyone can use. I think we may take the Mortonisms and like make a poster out of them if you haven't done that already. <laughs> we have, I think Michelle might have this. I don't remember. But, oh, perfect. Um, when, when my grandfather turned 90, we had a, the, the ADA meeting happened to be in Philadelphia, which is where Premier is based. So we had a huge industry event celebrating him and celebrating premiere at, at in Philadelphia at the Constitution Center for any of you who have ever been there. And the and the like the swag bag, the takeaway gift was a frame, and in it said, "Remember who you are." And on the bottom, it said, uh, "Morton Charlstein." And I have seen that in the offices of many people. That's nice. Love love the thought and great wisdom. So thanks for taking the time today to share with us and thank you for everything you do for dentistry and for leading the way. We appreciate your wisdom and your experience <laughs> and, and your leadership. So thank you for sharing that today. Thank you, Steve. I had a great time. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for this Mentor of the Month podcast sponsored by Crown Council. This is just one tool available to the Crown Council membership that helps dental teams build a culture of success. That's our mission and purpose is to provide a place for dental teams to come together and learn the skills needed to develop your most valuable asset, the people, those people who work in your practice. As always, if you're interested in being part of this group or want more information about the tools available to the membership, go to www.crowncouncil.com or call us 1-800-276-9658. Thanks.